Welcome to the Business Herald podcast. The Business Herald is a weekly roundup of all of the top UK business news stories by email, social media, and this podcast. The podcast will feature some of the week's main stories, and we'll be joined by various business people on each episode to discuss the week's news and how it might impact a smaller business like yours. And hopefully we'll have some fun on a Friday too. I'm your host, Stephen Mather. I'm a lawyer for SMEs, and I help business owners sleep better at night by sorting their legal problems out. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Business Herald. Welcome along to episode 28 of the Business Herald podcast. This week, I'm joined once again by Dominic Gomesal, Managing Director of Lumbers Jewelers, and Joe Reevy. Dominic is the fifth generation custodian of retailing luxury store Lumbers of Leicester, having been in the industry for over 30 years. Dominic has been a managing director of this multiple national and local award-winning business for two decades, winning the coveted UK Independent Retailer of the, of the Year Award on a number of occasions. Joe's LinkedIn calls him a retired business guy, an iconoclast, ethical, non-conformist, rational, creative person who helps good people and calls a spade a spade. As an accountant, he became a full equity partner after three years and grew the practice very successfully. After 14 years, he quit that to build a successful business development consultancy, which was subsequently sold. So welcome along both. It's been a pretty quiet week uh, this week, I think it's fair to say, in the, in the business and economy front after last week's pizzazz of the budget. Um, so there's not a huge amount of really standout stories that, uh, that have caught my eye this week. But one interesting story that I did see um, today is Morrison's chief executive, David Potts, coming out with Morrison's results and a quote, which I, I, I find really interesting. He said this, I personally wear a halving of profits as a badge of honor. Frankly, we could have made no profit and it would still have been a result. So my question to you guys is, uh, what do you think of that quote? Is it a badge of honor? Is it a badge of honor to have you know, made less profit this year? Um, you know, what's, what's the situation, particularly all those people that really struggled? Uh, you know, is it something that actually they should wear with pride? Dominic? I have got to say, when you first read that quote to me, Stephen, I hadn't, uh, I hadn't heard it. So I had to quickly go and look up the quote and, and, and look at it. But my first reaction when you, when you said it was, uh, was a little bit of shock because uh, as a retailer, you know, we've actually been physically closed for eight months out of this last uh, 12 months, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. But we've been closed and we're not allowed to be uh, selling face to face, which is so important for our industry. Yet here's a retailer who all his shops have been open. Um, a lot of his competition have been closed and restaurant trades have been closed. Pubs have been closed. And you look at him and you think, my immediate reaction was, well, I do not understand that. How can he be saying halving his profits? Surely he should be increasing his profits. Surely it's been a bumper year. So I, I read the, the headline quote completely differently and had a completely different interpretation of it to begin with um, until I delved into it a little bit. Um, and then just seeing um, their costs of COVID, their, their, the costs that they've put into the COVID pandemic, um, I will say that I, I was absolutely amazed and found phenomenal. I mean, to sit and say they've had £290 million of direct expenditure um, uh, for, for COVID um, was quite a shock. But I also do think, and, and Joe will say, I'm sure this more than me, I think anybody with an accounting practice, if this year is a year that you can halve your profits or quarter your profits, and, and, and we touched beforehand on tax, I'm sure that you're going to stick everything into this year and make a smaller profit as you can possibly do. So I'm sure there's a little bit of uh, um, tax uh, um, help within that halving of profits. But I, I find it hard to believe within this year that a food retailer should be um, having a badge of honour uh, of halving their profits. Out of any year, this surely isn't that year. Mm. Yeah. So I, which, which is, uh, you're right, it's a, why it's an interesting line and i think um i think you're, you're absolutely right to have a retailer that's been open all the time the only part of it i think that the business that's not been trading is the cafe um that they have on on some of their sites but everything else is um and of course they um the the, the reason why half of the profits have, have been um or the profits have been halved is because as a result of um the pressure that we put on in this podcast, maybe elsewhere as well in the in the, in the public, but certainly oh. definitely on this podcast, um, encouraging businesses to repay back the business rates relief when they were open, 
um, the supermarkets were reluctant. And Morrison's actually at the start turned around and said, well, no, well, we've needed that. We've incurred £270 million of COVID secure costs. So we've, we've kind of used that. And then later turned around and went, mm, OK, actually, we're going to join Tesco and everybody else in repaying that, I think, £270 million for them. Um, so that will have um, that will have an impact as well. But yeah, I, I, I'm not... I think it's a great line. It's a really nice uh, line. It's a you know a badge of honour to have served the British public um, in the last year and provided them with food. But the reality of it is, they've not. It's not as if they turned around and made everyone's shopping bill half price. They, they didn't do that. I mean, they give them a, a bit of credit. They did say um, to uh, NHS workers and teachers, I believe. I think they get a ten percent discount um, on their mm. shopping bill if they produce ID, which is a nice, nice touch. Um, but well, it, it particularly is 10% in the, well, let me I'll, I'll go, come back to that. When I worked for Sainsbury's, I was on projects and we were looking at a problem that we had uh, with our gross profit margin in areas, which was uh, the variance was, was under 2% and it was existential in supermarket trades. The net net profits the supermarket trade are wafer thin mm. and you go giving a chunk of uh over well in excess of a million people a 10 percent discount in the supermarket trade my god that's going to make a hole in your in your profits if they use you and and i think morrison you know I have, i've got a great deal of time for them because in the way they do things i think they they've ha- certainly had a number of, clearly had a number of logistics issues which we weren't talked about um, and they have a rather weak small store offering, um, convenience store offering, and their web offering wasn't really terribly competitive with some of the best ones. So I, I think to have done as well as they've done in in the present market is not bad at all. Um, they have they I have just wonderful PR, wonderful PR. Well, it's it's it's, it's it's good PR on the <laughs> on the small shop front. They've um, they've just done a deal with McColls. Um, to take yes. on 300 shops up and down, you know, sort of more. Yeah, uh, they're know, not there yet, are they? they corner shop type thing. That offering and no, and and I don't think that's in there. This in the results that have been announced anyway, so I don't think there's any impact there. But, but I see, I see the interesting uh, connection with them, and the, there's a little bit of research I did, and I haven't delved into this bit. Is uh, their connection with Amazon? They seem to be the chosen partner for for Amazon. Yeah. Um, and when you look at the growth of Amazon over the last year. Again, to suddenly turn around and say we're connected with Amazon, but we've lost half our profits, is an interesting comment too. Um, Isn't it? Ul- yeah. It Will ultimately inter- that come back and bite them in the ass, though? I mean, with, with respect, you know. Well, it's, 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 it's one of those things, though, isn't it? Because I think Dominic's right that, you know, to, to a, a, anyone, almost anyone that's selling on Amazon is doing incredibly well right now. Amazon, you know, demonstrating it. Amazon have taken Morrison's, um, uh, Morrison's product and put them on, I think it's called Amazon Fresh. And, and certainly in London within AM25, you can get same day, you know, within an hour or two delivery of products. Elsewhere, they've got, um, you know, uh, next day delivery on a wide range of groceries. There's talk that Morrison's may be a potential takeover um, target for someone like Amazon to, to really kind of bed in their grocery offering. And it's an interesting, um, you know, option that might pan out in the future. We know that Amazon, you know, do that kind of thing to, you know, to take over and dominate a market. That, that might be a, a potential um, for them. But, oh, uh, yeah. Um, I was saying, it's interesting as well that they, they've built, you can see that how they've built that into their pricing. I did a bit of AB price comparison with uh, comparison of their prices with Iceland, who do next day delivery, and uh, Morrison's was significantly more expensive than Iceland for like for like. But it was interesting what he was saying in terms of uh, his uh, excuses for half his profit. Um, one was delivery charges. Um, and interestingly enough, um, I had a, a logistics client on the phone to me yesterday moaning about Amazon a little bit because as they just uh, deliver more and more parcels, they get less and less a parcel. Um, and now the, the amount of parcels they have to deliver in a day is becoming such an extreme amount to make a profit that they, you know, these poor delivery boys, you can see them literally running from place to place to get a, to get a profit out of the day. Yeah. But he was saying the delivery charges were, were, were coming into it. And also because of um, home delivery uh, and people working from home, the profit margin items have gone. So sandwiches for the workers, which is, you know, ready-made sandwiches that apparently is one of their biggest profit margin uh, uh, consumables. It's gone. It's, it's, uh, it, 
there's zero in that. And it's all make your own sandwiches at home. So it's all far less. And as you were saying, Joe, your 2% profit margin on your cheese as opposed to your 15% profit, whatever it is on your sandwich. Mm. Um, well, yeah, I mean, one of the things I, I really liked in the early days is when I worked for Sainsbury's, they took over a New England chain of supermarkets called Shaw's. And Shaw's were brilliantly designed that when you walk in, the highest margin items were right in front of you. The first ones you put in and the ones you're likely to put more of in things they made the most money on. And within two years, all Sainsbury's stores had been redesigned the same way. And I, I just thought that was just so, you know, they, they, mm. it was a very, very well-managed firm in those days. And, and you, you can see, you can see that, that they, the, the, the implosion of these very high value things. The cafes will make a lot of money. The, 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 the ready-made foods, the takeaway convenience foods, lots of money, and they won't be selling them. Um, I feel pretty sorry for the people who manufactured those for them, to be fair, because <laughs> they must be absolutely bereft. But um, no, I, I think, I think uh, it, it, it's an interesting market. And, and my, my big thought about uh, the supermarket trade in the United Kingdom is there are too many players in it. So somebody's going to have to go. But when you say that, we've got the biggest player of all now just showing their hand, because Amazon have opened their first um, mm -hmm. completely tilled walk, walk out, yeah. in London, and they're going to roll those out. So we've got the bit, you know, a player who could probably swallow up half of our our, our teams in, in coming into the market. And oh, indeed. Who's yeah. going to supply? Is is that going to be the Morrison's link? And Morrison's going to turn into the Amazon shops? Is that going to be? What the Amazon, is that what the Amazon Morrison link up is, is aiming towards? As as a taxpayer, all I care about is whoever however it's done, all the money that is made doesn't flow off to the Cayman Islands and licensing fees. I mean the, the, the issue with the issue with the online retailers is their average uh, tax payment on UK sales is under nine percent. And uh, on profits and not on sales. And uh, we cannot sustain our economy if we've, uh, it, the Treasury's finances will become unmanageable if we have huge chunks of, of the economy, uh, of, of our larger companies with effective tax rate of 9%. I don't think, uh, certainly a lot of us who, who have bricks and mortar stores, you know, uh, my, my business is historically all bricks and mortars, but obviously with the pandemic, we, we built up our website, we're now selling a nice amount on the website uh, every week. And, and it, there is something about coming into work at nine o'clock and thinking you've sold something at midnight, which is very reassuring, I have to say. And very gratifying, I've got to say that. I mean, it's just, you, you look at the desk in the morning and, and the girls are piling up a few parcels to send out. You go, oh, look, and have a little thumb through. But I, I'm not, a, as now an internet seller, as well as a bricks and mortar shop, I do think a, a, um, an internet sales tax is a must. I mean, I do think some. Mm. There's got to be a level playing at the field. And, you know, everybody complains about business rates. And I, I know that uh, a lot of the supermarkets handed them back. Uh, but, you know, the, the Treasury, as we were saying earlier, has to have tax from somewhere. Um, and if we're going to lose all of our high street retailers, which is what's eventually um, the danger is, is, then we've got to level up the playing field somehow. And I think an internet uh, sales tax, um, although it will be detrimental to me maybe in five years' time, is something that levels up the playing field. I couldn't agree more. I, I also Isn't, think we need to do better at making shopping a better leisure activity. Um, I, I, I and and I think Apple are they're the way I don't buy Apple products personally, but I think the way they design set themselves up that it's sort of very communal and non-confrontational. You can go and have a wander around. I think it's a really good um, shopping concept, and I think that that. I think stores will become sort of shops will become emptier and more welcoming, if you will, and places where people want to spend time. And I think it demands a price premium and it is something we need to protect because there are uh, the idea of everybody sitting at home, not, not interacting with other people, not going out and seeing what their, their town looks like is what I find quite worrying actually, as people become more and more insular. And um, it, it is remarkably hard too, as a retailer. It's remarkably hard. You know, we, during this time, um, I'll get an inquiry from one of my good clients, and they'll just say, "It's it's my my son's twenty first birthday." You go, "Well, yeah. Well, I want something." And and they don't give you any clue. And you're all of a sudden the great technology now. They don't look on your website for some of the yeah. 
So they just want you to come up with ideas. Whereas normally, if they'd be in the shop yeah. and you go off to your displays and bring out 10 items and they sit there and they handle them and they touch them and they go, no, you're mm-hmm. sending backwards and forwards and trying to do a WhatsApp picture. And, and, and they're just saying, no, I don't like that. And not giving you that feedback that you'd normally get in the retail environment. So the bricks and mortar shops will never be replaced by the internet shops. I mean, I think there's a huge place. I can't wait to be open again. I can't wait for April 12th. Mm-hmm. You know, I am getting fed up of WhatsApping pictures to, to clients. I have to admit that. You know, I don't enjoy that. I, I miss the, the the customer relationship of mm, looking yeah. at somebody's eye. When I, when I put up the price of something and I can see in their eye that they've nearly dropped off their chair, that's always quite reassuring because I know I've got it wrong. <laughs> and, and, and Dominic, I think it's it's probably fair to say that you've you've spent quite a bit of money on on making your store somewhere actually that that people would like to go, and it's an experience for them as well. It's not just you know they're not just coming in going I have that watch there and and, and going again. It's the whole experience that they they buy in, and and I think the the point that Joe might be making, elaborating on that a little bit, is does the does the high street in in coming out of we're kind of moving on to it? And my second question was about coming out of the roadmap, um, coming out of restrictions. Is that one thing actually that the um, that retail needs to look at and, and changing the way it is offering? So it's not just you know being a click and collect store for for an online offering. Actually, that's off that's offering something extra. Is that something that you're you're kind of looking at getting back into the swing of things, Dominic? I think experiential, which the what the new word is, I think they call, refer to it as experiential retailing, is, is, is vital. But we've been doing that for a decade now, mm-hmm. where we've tried to bring a location and an environment where people just love coming in and there's a relationship there. There's, they have a relationship with, with the staff, but the environment is lovely. They're going to sit and have a coffee. It's a day out. I mean, it's not but just... I bet- and you have whole families, don't you? Whole generations. So some mum and dad will come in and the kids and yeah. Yeah. And we get from generation to generation and follows through. So that, that is vital. And that's fortunately absolutely what we've been doing for yeah. a decade or more, more, more. And that's that's where we are within the, within the marketplace. But we're lucky, you know. I always said through these lockdowns, we're a fairly lucky business because our average price point is relatively high compared to other ones and and you look at a lot of places in in, in leicester and i wouldn't want to be sitting there selling smarties you know it, it, there is just nobody about nothing to do and it must be very very difficult and luckily for us we can sell one watch on the internet last night and then all of a sudden today's been a good day so you know we've, we've been lucky with the lockdowns but the, the roadmap when you refer to that uh Stephen, i'm just delighted we have a map I'm going to say that we'll, we can all have the argument of whether we should speed it up, close it down, whatever. Yeah. We just have a map, and that's yes, what yeah. I am worried about us being in Leicester. I've got to say that um, I'm worried about the uptake of the vaccine by um, part of Leicester, and therefore whether we're going to have, um, you know, because we're number one again, aren't we, in terms of infections? I'm led to believe. So whether we're going to get an extended local lockdown frightens me to death. Um, but, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get it. At this moment, we're opening on April 12th and we can't wait. Mm. You certainly don't. You need to have a, an idea where you're going because otherwise you just have to sit on your hands and hope. And yeah. maybe it's that far in the future. At least, it's, you know, I know there's a lot of clamour from a lot of the, the MPs as well as the public to speed it up. I'm not sure we need it speeding up. Let's just make sure we get through it once and for all. Actually, uh-huh. let's just make sure we get there. And I think that's the point <laughs> yes. that Boris was saying with, with you know, um, using the word, it's you know, irreversible. Uh, it, it was irreversible, but not really irreversible. But the point is, let's let's all work towards getting to that point because that would be that's really good. Just getting to that point rather than delaying it and, and moving it again. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, and I think, you know, we've got to learn what the school the school going back does to the R rate because none of them really know. You know, I'm not, a, I'm not a great fan of the scientists, if I can say that. You know, I know people think they've saved the world, but a lot of them have come out with forecasts and they'd have been sacked in every single business that I've worked in. Um, and so I'm not <laughs> a great yeah. fan of them, I've got to say that. Yeah. Um, and they don't have any real clue as what's going to happen when the kids go back. I mean, the idea that the kids don't spread infection is a little bit beyond my understanding. Um, so, you know, we, we shall wait and see, won't we? We've got four weeks still to go. It's a really well, good I point, Dominic. A... That, uh, it's a really good point that um, if, if, if those the people that were, uh, were doing all the numbers were working in business, they'd sit down with you and go, next year you're going to make £25 million. And then when it comes to it, you make five. 
You're like, what happened? <laughs> where, where, was your, where were all your predictions? Mm, yeah, I got it wrong. <laughs> As a scientist, by <laughs> trading, I think there's a, there's a lot of, I think, they're unfa- I think they're unfairly maligned. For t- and there are two reasons for this. One of which is that this idea that there is the science is a complete misunderstanding of how science works. Scientists disagree with each other. And science is about asking what, where are things going? What, how does this work? What's going on? You will never, I mean, Einstein was wrong about quantum mechanics, but he revolutionized physics from Newton. And so you're talking about something which A, has never been met, come across before. And the, 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 it is far too early uh, in, in anything as complex as epidemiology to actually have hard and fast conclusions about anything. And yet- But why the don't they say that though? Saying, the press are constantly saying, tell us this, what about that? What about this? And it's all completely negative. And but the, they, the, and the, the point there though, Joe- yeah, There the, will the, be disagreement. But the point there though, is that, 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 is, that there aren't those disagreements. They're not allowed to be aired. Anyone that airs a, a contrary view to the science that's promoted and promulgated by the government- it's turned around to be called a, a lunatic or you know an idiot or whatever, and and so it, it's it's portrayed from a political point of view as this is the science. Why oh, don't they that, just that's accept? A polit- that's a political thing, and I, I agree with that entirely. It, it is, it is not doing, and and I think the reason they're doing it is that there are a lot of concepts in science that are really quite difficult for people to understand who aren't trained, and. And they're trying to keep it simple. They're trying to do something that they think that the British electorate will understand. And, and, and that, to be fair, I know why they're doing it. And this whole argument about how accurate the tests are, people do not understand the difference between selectivity and, and, and sensitivity and how they interact. And so there's a huge amount of misinformation coming out on both sides. And, the, the thing that, that annoys me about it is that the press coverage is entirely and almost almost exclusively highly negative. And it's coverage by people who do not understand the issues. Journalists are not trained to understand these things. And so they just, and, and, and they, but they, well, what they are trained to do is to pick people apart and moan about stuff. And I, I actually don't think that the job the government done, has done is in any way near as bad as most people think it is. I, I, I definitely agree with that. I don't think it's anywhere near as bad as we headline it to be. Um, and there's some decisions, which the last time I was on this show, Stephen, we mentioned it, didn't we? We were coming, we were going into the November lockdown. Mm. And, um, and and you said, I should go on, it's a very good point, because I said, I don't quite understand how they can say they're going to close us as retailers down for November and then open us in December <laughs> um, when they're going to, when they're going to therefore put all the retail shopping into a three-week period. And then the press are going to jump on us in the middle of, middle of December. They're going to have photos of people shopping on the high street and say the public are, um, are, are irresponsible. Yeah. I said it's not yeah. the public that's going to be irresponsible. It's the irresponsibility of either closing us now or opening us on December the 2nd. Um, yeah. And obviously, I wanted to stay open for the whole seven weeks. But without the, the great adage of hindsight, because I think we're all going to get very bored with people with hindsight. You know, hindsight's a very cheap commodity, isn't it? It's those people who stood up in the first place and said comments of that sort of nature. I think it's important and, and important that, that, that and, and you just wonder why the government didn't say some things a little bit earlier, which were common sense rather than scientific. It was just common sense that they were compressing shopping into a three-week period, compressing the hospitality trade in London into a three-week period. It was always going to create another spike worse than anywhere else, wasn't it, in fairness? Yes. Uh, and, it, and it was it was blatantly obvious to anybody with a, a degree of common sense at the beginning of November. Yeah, and well, and, 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 and it seems got it. sorry, it seems better now, doesn't it? The roadmap that they've got now, it seems like actually some thought and planning has gone into it. Absolutely, I think one of the problems is when you've got politicians who are. On the one hand, they'll have the sort of complete firebrand backbenchers that they've got to try and keep under control, who are very anti any form of close down, that sort of thing. I mean, you, 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 know, you take this to the extent that it happened in the States and it just went completely crazy over there because people didn't, people were, oh, I've got, I've got, you know, they're, they're, this libertarian idea, they don't want to close things down. And then they've got, on, on the on the right wing of, of the Conservative Party, you've got a lot of people who just don't really want any form of close down at all, and just you know let let's see what happens. And I I, I don't envy them 
the sort of decisions that they're making. I don't think they've done a terrible job. I don't think they've done a great job either. And, in, and you look at the statistics overall of the UK, we're sort of in the middle of the pack. And I don't, yeah, that's about all you can hope for, really. But I do, I do think um, in terms of that, the, the way we're counting the deaths doesn't seem correct to me, if I can say that. <laughs> we seem to have, you know, talk about a badge of honour in, in half and going back to the original part of this. We, and the ha half of profits is a badge of honour. It seems to be to the UK government that having the most amount of deaths is a badge of honour. I mean, I'm not quite sure why we're trying to do that. I mean, yeah. the, the, this idea of COVID um, being on a death certificate within 28 days, we seem to be the only people who are measuring it in that manner. No, and, and there are lots of reasons why we should, because we're an international hub, we're a densely related country and so on. But the, the thing my wife always says is if Lewis Hamilton had been killed in his last race, he'd have been a COVID death. Yeah. And, you know, and, and it, it, it's clearly, but the problem is that, again, one of the issues discussing this topic is it's constantly, we're talking about apples and pears, because every country does this differently. And then you have to, as soon as you start thinking about what do these data mean, and I only ever use official sources for data. I, I don't look at the press. I don't look at social media, any of that. I go straight to the, to the official sources, the independent sources. And when you start trying to compare these things, it becomes mind-bendingly difficult very, very quickly because they're all doing things different ways. And their time lags on the recording are different. And it, it just, you know, I, I just sit there sometimes and tear my hair out when I'm trying to figure things out like this. They, the, the problem with data is you can present it in such a multitude and variety of different ways Precisely. to make the point that you want to make, which is which is really where the government are, do, are, are doing. They take the data and, and make it look really bad and scary in order to, um, to so keep people the, at home. So the people on the other side, I mean, there's a wonderful book that I would recommend to anyone called um, Bad Science. Um, by a guy called Ben Goldacre. And I would recommend everyone to read that because it, it goes into great detail how they, how you can take data and fool around with them and make them show almost anything you want. And this is routinely done by people of all persuasions. For example, if you want to talk about, if you get talking about, uh, for example, nurses pay at the moment, um, they will talk about, they will always compare with the, with the previous best year. So that everything, you know, if you go back two or three years prior to that, it, and it's the same with what your IFA does, they, they will pick a year when the growth, growth for that year looks really great. Whereas uh, if they picked a different year, it wouldn't. And, and people routinely, routinely, um, and this is one of the reasons we're going back to, to source data because you're able to see pretty quickly when people are actually choosing their data sets in order to make their point. And it is routinely done. Mm. Uh, kind of back onto the business side of things, even though it's it an interesting chat. Um, reports out this week about uh, consumer confidence and consumer spending in particular is down 13.8%, down 22% for non-essential items. A couple of weeks ago, or maybe a bit longer, we had um, the, a Bank of England um, executive saying that there's a, an approximate amount of 150 billion that's been saved up by consumers, that once restrictions are, um, are, are, are eased, there's going to be massive consumer spending. Um, and then someone's come out this week that used to work for the Bank of England now as a government advisor saying that's not going to happen, you know, in one quarter. That's <laughs> surprise, surprise. Um, that's, uh, um, they're not all, that 150 billion isn't all going to come and buy some nice watches, Dominic. Don't, uh, don't get too excited. But he says it's going to take a few years. But presumably, Dominic, as a retailer, you, you, you kind of, you are expecting a bit of a bounce when you get to reopen. Without, without a doubt, and, and, and I think I, I like the bank, the Bank of England uh, representative who said the economy is like a coiled spring. Yeah. Um, I resonated with that, and um, yeah, I think his one was that there's 230 billion pounds in people's pockets, and I can only say that those those people who are lucky enough to be employed and continued employment during this period, um, whether in their own companies or maybe for whatever, and they have been receiving their pay, have spent remarkably little, and they have, without doubt in that wealth sector, got money in their pocket. Now, I, you know, a lot of my um, clients, you've got to remember, in our, even in our trade, we get repeat clients, which I know some people find strange, but we get some people who come in every single week and spend money with us every single week. Um, but they have an age group that were probably 60 plus who 
we have not seen since last March. We haven't seen them, full stop, mm. at all, mm. because they didn't even come in out of lockdown, because certainly in Leicester, the word lockdown has never been away since last March, you know, um, and, and therefore people have always related Leicester to being in lockdown. Um, we've never we've never had the full confidence of the public, whether we're open or not, they haven't even understood if we're open, if we're closed or whatever. Um, so we've got people who haven't been in to see us since last March, who have now got the confidence of the vaccine, because I'm talking about them, and every single one who's had that vaccine, funny enough, they are wearing their little badge then they've got vaccinated. They're, there's a proper badge of honour. Mm. Um, they're wearing their little badge. Um, and they feel um, secure and now secure enough now to come out, and they will come out to play. And I think restaurants will be very busy as soon as restaurants will be open. I think they'll be busy with that age group. Now, the fortunate thing is the young age group are, are a little bit more foolhardy anyway, so they've never really stopped going out. You know, so the ones who haven't vaccinated, haven't been vaccinated, will be playing anyway. So, um, no, I do believe we are coiled spring, and I do think April the twelfth. And certainly for a month after April the 12th, we will have a little mini Christmas within retail. Yeah, absolutely. Joe, do you agree? Um, well, I, I think so, but I'm not necessarily sure that that's a brilliant thing for the economy as a whole. I mean, we, we're, we're in a, a situation where the bottom quartile of people in the economy have had an average decline in real incomes of 3% a year for the last five years nearly. Um, so they, the poor are getting poorer, which um, will have a knock-on effect of, of, of up, up the scale. And we also uh, have uh, horrifying levels of personal debt in this country. Um, the average, the average uh, family uh, owes 60% of next year's income on, on, on non, uh, for non-mortgage debt. And that's a, a very large figure, and and it doesn't. It, it means the recovery from uh, the the investment that the governments had to make in order to stave off the worst uh, effects of the pandemic will, in my view, be very slow. So while we, whilst we might get uh, a bit of a boom now, as people sort of think, oh, thank God that's over, and let's do something in the longer term, unless we rebalance the economy. Uh, towards a, a more sustainable, um, a sustainable uh, mixture of, 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 of economic activity, because we are heavily, way heavily too balanced in services. Um, I think it's going to be a, a, quite a difficult furrow to plough. It's not those um, those people that are, are kind of worse off and getting worse off, though. They're not. We're not asking them to kind of build back the economy, are we? In, in, in blunt terms. Well, we it's do, that we do need them to be participants in the economy because they're the people with a zero marginal propensity to, with 100% marginal, marginal propensity to consume. <laughs> you know, I, they don't save money because no, they everything no. they get, they spend. Sure. Um, but we're talking, and, and, we're, we're talking about, you know, uh, although, you know, maybe millions of them all adding a little bit in, um, actually the people that are... Um, that are going to make moves in the economy are the people that are going into Dominic's uh, shop and spending. Oh, absolutely. Those they, they, watch, people, people like people like me have saved money this year. Mm. We, we have been net savers and um, that to be fair, I've been a net saver almost every year of my life, but um, the, the, and, and uh, in the people, the people, the social classes, ABC, uh, yeah, they are going to have spare money. They're going to spend it. Um, but ultimately, the, the, the I think the point I've made rather badly is I think the unless the nature of the economy changes, the ABC income does depend on the consumption patterns of the D's and E's as well. And if we don't make the economic system a bit more inclusive, they are not those. You know, those are the people who are actually buying the goods in Morrison's, and if they can't buy, Morrison's isn't going to do well. The Morrison's manager is not going to do well as well as, as, as the people who shop there. So yes, I think we'll have a, a short Philip, um, but at the end of the day, the fundamentals of the economy are not great, and we need to do something about that because mm. otherwise it won't last. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, there was a report out this week. Um, 
that a survey of 5,000 business, international business leaders uh, put the UK as being the fourth most attractive place to invest for growth. Um, and we've increased in the last year, um, but that doesn't take into account the um, proposed increase in corporation tax because it was at 19% when they carried out the vote. Well, that's, that's going to be an um, interesting so, impact, so isn't it? That, that will inevitably have an, an impact on, on outside investment um, as well as inside. Um, but so, but if we're if we're the fourth um, most attractive place to, uh, to 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 invest in as a company, um, I'm I'm not sure how how that sits with the economy as a whole not being you know generally doing okay because it, it seems to me actually that um, that that it is you know we are doing okay and and the government has done a, what I consider to be a, a, a decent job all around. I think most people agree in terms of the support they've provided and the coronavirus support and stuff like that. We've only been able to do that because the economy has been doing okay. Well, we were able to do that because you can effectively borrow money at zero percent, zero percent interest rate. So they're redeeming bonds on which they've been paying four, five, six, seven percent, and replacing them with ones they can finance at one mm. or less. Mm. I mean, that's that's not that will not persist <laughs> again because uh, ultimately, ultimately, capital will flow to where it makes the best return. Um, that might be the UK. It rather begs the issue when i moved to the united kingdom you could get two dollars and 80 cents for a pound what do you get now and it, it's been it's that's been one-way traffic for effectively for 100 years in the long run um and that that is not the badge of a highly successful economy the uk as, as a as an economy has not performed hugely well for 50 years um more than that now and um uh, I, I i you know we need to i think to get back to thinking do we really, I and mean, one of the things that irritates me so much is do we really need all these thousands of, of clone restaurants and, 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 and the, the size of the hospitality sector that we have? Um, would we not be better off having a more competitive tech sector or more, we've got a very, very good um, uh, biochem sector, but there are lots of other more highly skilled sectors where we should be I think, concentrating to a far greater extent than we are. I think the corporation tax, going back to that just a moment, and again, trying to link some of our conversations together. Um, we were talking about the 25% rate that obviously has been announced. And we spoke earlier about um, the supermarkets maybe putting anything they can put in this year because it's a good year to, to um, have a low uh, profit level and you can hide a, a low profit level with the excuse of COVID. Um, I read a very interesting article the other day, and I, I wish I could remember where it was, but it was saying that although they've put 25% in, it's a great moment to be able to say, right, we're going to put 25% corporation tax in in two years' time. There's been actually only a ripple of discontent about it. There's not been a huge amount of discontent about it. In two years' time, they'll be building up to a general election and uh, it'd be very easy at that stage to turn around and say, actually, we're doing so well as an economy. We don't now need to go to 25%. We're actually only going to put corporation tax up to 23%, yeah. which is what, in line with all the expectations of the market, was 23%, wasn't it? We all we all thought it put it up to 23%. And actually, I think it was a little bit of a shock to us all when it came out at 25%. Um, but this article was that we should have the belief almost that before that 25% tax comes in, it will be reduced to 23% as a oh, yeah. fantastic sign that the economy is booming and the Conservatives have brought it all back together and they're, they're, the, they're the party of low taxation, um, although we're paying the highest taxation we've ever paid in history. Um, and they'll, they'll actually bring it down to um, a 23% tax, tax rate with all whistles and blood and, and, and what mm. Yeah. Well, th this is the this is the uh, disadvantage of 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 having a system which is dependent on going back to the electorate at regular intervals, which doesn't affect the Chinese at all, and and uh, <laughs> why I'd bet on them in the long run. <laughs> but I think the, uh, the the tax rate level at twenty five percent was a, a fairly large shock. Was it a shock to you guys, or were you expecting that? To, to go to twenty five percent, yeah, I, I well, I think um, I think the point is it was drip fed it to the uh, to the British public as most things are these days over over the weeks and months before the budget. So we kind of all expected it to uh, to to increase. I'm surprised that um, that they made the low level only fifty thousand pounds 
that seems to be quite a low, low, low level. Um, and still that's at 19% rather than a, a, an even more reduced. If they want to really incentivize people to kind of start business and, and grow a business, then it should have been lower for, for a lower level. 50,000 seems really low. And, and then the other thing that surprised me when you look at the detail, not when he announced it, but look at the detail, actually it ratchets up pretty quickly um, at that point. So, you know, you, you could, there's not, um, there's obviously a, a plenty of businesses that are set up that are, you know, the quite lifestyle type businesses that might only be making 50 grand or less, but any serious business is going to be, you know, paying that, um, that the, the upper end quite quickly, I would, I would think. So, um, yeah, I think, I think the the level of 25 seems high to me. They've always, I, I, I'm not, a, I'm not a big fan. Joe's going to disagree with what I'm about to say talked about it on a previous podcast my personal view is that we should as a as a as a country go do you know what the reason why amazon and all of those kind of companies uh, uber do it um, divert profits you know to ultimately to the cayman islands but they divert profits through ireland and the netherlands is because they have very attractive cheap low cost um uh, taxation for companies Ireland, 12%, I think it is. Mm-hmm. I, think the, I think Netherlands is, is 12, 13%, something like that. And they have additional tax incentives to go and invest there, put your offices there, have your staff there, and everything like that. And so I, 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 my personal view was actually it was an opportunity to turn around and say, we're out of, rec- we're out of Europe, so we can, you know, we, we can do this. This is how we're going to attract people into the UK, because we need, we need people to come into the UK. Um, and this is how we're going to do it. So uh, my my personal view is actually we should have we should have lowered it, um, encourage people to invest in. I don't disagree with that. I, I think all twenty five percent either if it happens it'll be a catastrophe because they've given people years of planning time to, to divert profits out of the UK if they're not already adept at it and they are. So secondly, if it when it hits, it'll hit those companies that make their money in the UK because they're the ones that would. Would, will struggle to get to get their um, to get their profits out, and if they increase the corporation tax rate on the on the FTSE hundred companies, for for example, to twenty five percent, what the hell is that going to do to pension fund incomes? And all of us in the public sector depend on, <laughs> depend on the dividend streams from those sorts of companies to underpin our pensions. So I, I just can't can't imagine that they will let that happen unless they say, okay, you're going to pay 25% in the UK, but we are going to create this huge, huge load of incentives for you to bring your high skill jobs and, and tech jobs and those sort of jobs to the UK. Because at the end of the day, we are low tax now uh, among the G7 countries. And there is no doubt at all that has been beneficial for investment. I think coming out of Europe probably is is a, a negative in that regard by some stretch. But um, unless the opportunity of being free of the European bureaucracy is taken, then it'll all be for nothing completely. You know, um, what you've just said, it, it actually slightly frustrates me because the Chancellor said that as well. We have the lowest tax rate in all of the G7 countries. And so what? We're in Europe. Like if people are looking at places to go, Europe is where they're looking. Yeah. If they're a European base, they're looking at Europe. And so we need to make it attractive to them to, to come and, and invest in the UK. Not not oh, indeed. Not just indeed. the G7 countries. And so no, like, no, for- but no, no. If if people want to come into Europe, the, the we have we have one massive advantage over the rest of Europe, and that's the English language. Hmm. Even 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 the official European pronouncements are made in English, which is a, a particular irony. Yeah. Do you think they'll change that? Do you think no. did the French will have their way and want it all in French first? Um, I think the tr- the Trump. Well, th- there's a problem with Romance languages, which we speak decent French and some Portuguese, and 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 we have so many more words in English, and it can express such. There, it, English is a big language, and we can express fine differences in meaning very easily, which is much more difficult. I mean, when you looked at the translation of that bloody AstraZeneca contract, you thought, that, how, how could that anybody ever sign this? It doesn't mean anything. 
And um, then you look at what that what it, that would be in 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 English law, and you, you could make it so much more precise. So mm. I think I think they're going to struggle to get away from English because it's a really really good working language. I'm going to I'm going to take that and move on to uh, to the last last question, which has been offered up by Dominic, but I, I like it. Um, so we're, well, obviously, I'm not talking about that interview uh, at all, um, but. Uh, I, for me personally, I see similarities with you know what they were talking about in, in general HR and management of staff and conflicts of people and grievances and all that kind of thing. But there's there's always you know business lessons to be learned in anything. And at the minute, one of the issues that seems to be uh, there is um, we, we all know that there's a fine line between banter and and bullying. Um, and uh, so Dominic said this. So with the continued COVID issues and the royal family issues. Are we at risk of losing that British sense of humour on on <laughs> things? Um, so, Dominic, expand on what you what what your thoughts are on it. I have to say that I, I am probably as guilty as everybody. You know, I have a couple of uh, WhatsApp groups that uh, of mates from here and there, where we have a work one, and some. I don't know how the British public gets some of these quick. Uh, pictures and images that uh, take the mickey out of whatever situation we're in as a country, you know, we, whatever situation we're in, we are just so quick at being humorous about it. Uh, it sometimes seems in seconds, doesn't it? <laughs> like something's happened on the TV and then you get a message about it. And some of it you have to laugh about. I mean, uh, you know, without, again, without going into that interview, but how laughed at one that came through this morning. We can all remember the Olympics and the Queen with uh, James Bond and this, that, and the other. And they've just put a little, you know, a cartoon caption above and and, and all she says, and, and James Bond is saying, and opera, and she says, and opera. <laughs> and you just know what it's all about. And it's the, the English humour. And it's totally disrespectful to the royal family, totally disrespectful to our monarchy. Um, and, and in some ways it shouldn't, shouldn't really be seen and done if, you, if you're that vintage. But you sit there, you look at it, and you instantly forward it to somebody else because you go, Oh, I can't, I've, I've just laughed at that for 10 minutes. Everybody else laughed at it for 10 minutes. But is it actually banter? Is it, is it that fine line of bullying in today's society where we're not allowed to say anything? How do we get away with our British humour? Joe, any thoughts? Well, I, I think it's a generational thing because a lot of the things that I might find amusing, I mean, we, I, I, you know, you go back to, you know, when I was young, it were odd. I spent a year living in, a, in an understairs cupboard, and that's true, you know. And it, it, but to young people, it cuts no ice at all. It's, it's I, 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 a number of young people just have utterly no sense of fun about things. You see, I don't think anything's sacred. I'll take the piss out of anything. And, 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 and one of the things I like really like about this country is the way that when you know someone well, they, they spend a lot of their time when you're talking with you, mocking you, don't they? And making fun of you in a way that where I come from, they probably pull out their, sh their pistol and shoot you. <laughs> because, um, and I think that's brilliant. But I know an awful lot of young people have no sense of humor about a lot of things that I, th I think are quite funny at all. And, and I, I think it just sums up the the, 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 the maxim that people who live in different times live in different worlds. And I think it's a shame, really, because um, the ability to laugh at oneself and everything around, around you is, is, I think, a really, really good stress reliever. And that's the other thing that, that, that I, is, is very noticeable, is that people, dare I say, of our age seem to be much less stressed. And it's not just because probably we're better off, but it's because the way we live our lives, much less stressed than the 20 and 30 somethings so I do. I slightly disagree with that, Joe, in terms that uh, we have a work WhatsApp, so it's going through all the age groups. And, and the younger ones are sending these, uh, these WhatsApp images through quicker than, quicker than I am. I mean, I wouldn't even know where to go and find one. I mean, they're just whack, whack, boomf, and it's, it's through, isn't it? Well, um, I suppose the, 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 the milieu in which I mix is, is, is very largely people who are sort of connected with academia, and, and they're, they seem to be particularly the humorless. <laughs> just saying yeah i think i think it's um it, it's it's definitely a fine line i've i've seen um you know helping helping um you know businesses out with employment law stuff and um and there's always that fine line of what goes beyond you know um uh banter in the workplace to someone actually yeah. you know taking offense and and doing it and i think i think the reality of 
of it in in kind of in in, in seriousness and dealing with what's quite a fun issue, but um, in in seriousness is everybody has a responsibility to make sure that they're sensitive to other people's needs and um, and, and and position, and and so if you have somebody that um, that is taking offence or isn't you know isn't comfortable with something then you're not you're not then forcing that upon them um or you're not imposing that and and, and saying well that's that's how we do things around here you know that's the way in which we work like like, like it or lump it um you know they they should should be able to kind of be treated as a human being and and have their views respected even if you don't don't agree with them I, 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 it interests me as well that people haven't realized that treating other people as equals and, and members of the team is a really good way to be a, be efficient anyway. When, when I worked for Sainsbury's, it was a very, very hierarchical culture in which basically you controlled people by shouting at them. And I realized very early on as a department manager that if I was nice to the people who worked for me and treated them nicely, they turned up to work. And if you, everybody in your department turned up to work, being a departmental manager was actually pretty easy. If 20% of your staff didn't turn up to work, as, as one, of, one of the managers I, I uh, had in my branch had that continuing problem, his life was murder. And it, it wasn't rocket science. And yet people there is this, it, one of the terms I really hate, and I saw it on LinkedIn yesterday, was somebody described being a boss. And I've always hated that term because it implies a strict hierarchy and I'm going to tell you what to do and I'm going to do all the thinking and you're going to be my slave. And I've never liked that at all. And, and I just don't understand why people think that's going to be efficient. Uh, absolutely isn't. But I think, I, think, um, I think what we all agree on is that the, the British sense of humour um, is is almost part of what makes people British, but it is a generational thing. And sometimes the generational things do have to change as well. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. But I mean, I, there's always got to be a bit of banter. I always remember on my last uh, podcast, I'm very pleased to say that not very many people listened after your last bit. And you, you then got, went and put my off the air comments on. I thought it was hysterical, actually. I laughed it completely. But, uh, but it, you know, it, it, it was very funny when, when how you did that. And that's British humour, isn't it? We've got yeah. to be able to gents i've kept you i've kept you long enough uh today so thank you uh both for coming on this week's podcast i really appreciate it really enjoyed it thank you very much Stephen. yeah very enjoyed sorry for getting a bit discursive <laughs> that's, that's that's okay it's all part of the uh, the good discussion that we've had so thank you very much um, and for the people listening at home thank you for tuning in and thank you for for listening to the podcast do subscribe do give us feedback we're on linkedin twitter and facebook at the business herald we'd love to get your views on the things that we've talked about <laughs> thanks very much for listening and see you again next week <laughs>